0: Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Kuf Aleph. Today's shir is Avram Avram Peretz, Luna, Leibas Asael, and Asael Ben Ben Sion. May their memories be a blessing and may their Neshamas have an Aliyah. It's also for a full Shleim Ochaikavast Baba Mishnah and Yitzhak Yehuda Ben Miriam. May they have a complete and speedy recovery. Okay, I'm going to go off from Kuf a 100B, 10 lines from the Mishnah. A little bit behind. But it's not too difficult, so let's uh, go from there. Remember the Gomorrah <coughs> made a drosha, that, and we, we, we come out that it's only to but it basically said if you have a kohen who you don't know who is father, and you know it's a kohen, you just don't know which kohen, he can't serve in the Beis that. I might even refer to other things of a kohen, like Birka's it's not so clear whether he can, but Mirabbon is not allowed. The Gomorrah challenged that, from a Mishnah we had earlier that said if a woman did Yibum, with, remember again, a woman before she remarries, she has to wait three months so you can verify whether she's pregnant or not. Right? The Mishnah earlier says if she did Yibum in, without waiting, that son, the first child she has, is, could be a Kohen Why? He's either the son from her first husband, which was a kosher marriage, or he's the son from Yibum, which is also a kosher marriage. So that son can be a coin gadol. What do we see? That um, we see that you can serve in the base HaMikdash if you don't know who your father is. Because this boy knows it's either his, one of them his father, one of them is his uncle, both behind him, he just doesn't know which one's which. So we see that you can. So the Gomorrah says, Nyah, where did the Torah, where did the rabbis make the promiscuous When it's promiscuous, when it's out of wedlock. And that's why we, we don't know which coin it is, because she was sleeping around with a few Kohani. But here, where we don't know which coin it is, but it's, it was either the husband she was married to, or the husband she did give are to, we're not, they didn't make the Xeirah there. Again, penalizing the ch- the family and saying, no, he can't serve in the base and because he doesn't know his father. Interesting, just what that, that mission over there, what it's bringing out, is that the first son can be a Kohen Godal, the second son is a sofek mamze. Because if this first son... Is from the first husband, then she should not have done yibu. And the second son is a son born from a man and his brother's wife, which is one of the That's so that's just the interesting one it's what it's bringing out that the first son can be a coin goddamn because either way, whoever his father is, that's fine. But the second son, he's a sophic mom <laughs> um, okay, but back to uh, Back to our case. Okay, so 10 lines from the, the Mishnah, the mi Gomorrah earth, did the rabbis really made this Gezerah. And now we're going to analyze our Mishnah and we're going to ask a few questions on it and we're going to basically come out and say, you see from our Mishnah, it must be a case of Znus and our Mishnah discusses him serving in the base of So we see that even where Znus, a kohen can serve in the base of That's what's going to be the question, but it's going to get, take a little bit of time to get there. Um, to show that question from our Mishnah, he says, so let's just go from there. he says I you don't know who the father is, can't the A woman who didn't wait three months to remarry. And then she got remarried and gave birth to a son. Now again remember we don't know is it from the first husband or from her second husband. Now my Akhar Bala, When we say after her husband, what are we referring to? What 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 ended the first marriage? It says idaima says Ba'alah. Amos, maybe you want to say that it's after the death of the first husband. Amos Sefer, look in the second clause. It says who He acts as an Oynein for both of his fathers. Again, he doesn't know which one is father. So when either of them die, he has to act as Oynein an and not serve in the base, not do avodah, or not do avodah, or eat codship. But we see that both fathers could be alive. If we're saying the cases where the first father died and then she remarried, well, she, only his second father could be his second possible father could be a love. So again, by the fact that Mishnah says, "Who oinain he is an oinain for them, and they are an oinain for him, it must be. and must be after. So the Morag explains. It says, and makes sense when say he's a for them. I can even establish a case um, where that he can be an oinain for them. I, for either of them is an Why? If he's... Um, when, obviously, through marriage to the second one, and then the second one dies, so that might be his father, so he has to act as an oinain is even though the first husband died many, many years ago, if they reinterring, if they reinterring, I think that's the right word, but if they bury uh, taking the both and burying him someone else, there's a din, a din and that he becomes a ained. So that's how even though his possible father died many, many years ago, died before he was born. Still it's possible that he's an oinim for that person. Okay, so that's fine. It says, how can you find that they are oininim for him? How come a the first one died? If you say she remarried the second husband after the death of her first husband, well then the first husband's dead. So how would the first husband ever be an oinim for this son who's born nine months after he died? Eight, months, eight nine months after he died. So Elah begrusha. we must be talking about a grusha. So the second, she divorced her first husband and then married the second husband. So he says, Oh, umai, bala, achar get bala. And what does it mean when it says she got married after her husband? After her husband gave her a get. It says, Aim a seifa. But wait, then it's a seifa. He says, Who ain't tome lohem, ein metamim loh. He does not become tome for them because, again, he's a kohen. It might not, she's not allowed to become tome for someone except. Close relatives, and this might not be his father. And they don't become Tomei for him because it might not be their son. Each of them might not be their son. So he says, It makes sense that we go strict and say they can't become Tomei for him because it might be their son. It might not be their son. Why can't he become Tomei for them? It makes sense that he doesn't become Tomei for the second one tion, let me die, let him become Tommy for the first husband. Either way If the first husband was his fa- Is actually his father Then he can become Tome for him And if he's the son of the second husband It's also fine for him to become Tomei. Why is it fine him to become Tome? The Chalal He's a Chalal Again what we say The mother divorced the first husband And then married the second husband The child she has from the second husband Remember a Kohen we're speaking about where both men were kohanim. The kohen is not allowed to marry this divorced woman. So when he marries this divorced woman, if this is his child, the child's a halal, and therefore the halal is not doesn't have the laws of a kohen. He's like a regular Israel. So he can become Tomeh for his father. So so again, it says that in in our Mishnah we're assuming what's the case that a woman got divorced from her first husband a kohen and then married a the second kohen. Okay, so the the son should be able to become Tomei. He can become Tomei for the Rishon, because it might actually be his father. And, regarding the second one, and if the second one's his father, his father married a Grusha, well then he's a Halal, and he can become Tomei for either of them. So either way, he should be, so it can't be a case of a Grusha. So he says, Ella love business, it must be through promiscuity, Oh, my Akhar Bala. And what does it mean when it says after her husband? It says Akhar Bala after the man she had relations with. <coughs> I saw what he's saying? This woman, not married, had relations with the Kahed. Within three months, she married a second Kahed. So now we're not sure which is her father. Mukhtari is and but the end of the Mishnah taught, Oileba Mishmar shall say, that he can serve in the Mishmar of either father's group. What do we see? Do we see that? After again, we said the, the, the case of the mission was a woman who got remarried within three months from her first husband. So we said I can't be discussing Misa, because then, uh, then we can't be discussing the first husband being at one I can't be discussing divorce, because then he could become Tomei for either father, because either it's his father or he's a halal, so he can become Tomei anyway. Um, so it must be after Znus. And we see that Mishnah discusses him serving in the Mishmah. What do we see? You can have a Kohen who doesn't know who his father is through promiscuity, because of promiscuity, and he's still allowed to serve in the base of Middash. That seems to reject our drosha, that we said that Kohen can only serve in the base of Middash if he knows who his father is, when it's Znus. With Yufta to Shmuel, and this is a rejection of Shmuel, so, Omer no, Rav Shmaya says, <coughs> we're discussing Mi'un. What's Mi'un? Remember, Doraisa, a father can marry off his daughter. Only his father, only the father, when she's under 12, 12 and a half. However, they said the mother or the, or the brother can marry her off. If it is Midrabbon that the mother or the brother marry her off, then she can opt out. She can do Miu. She can say, I don't want to be married. And it's as if they were never married before. So, let's, so, so what we're saying that the first husband she was married to with Miu, with, uh, with this Drapana marriage, and she did Miu. And then she married the second husband. But there's no promiscuity because she, as long as she was with the first husband, she was actually married. When she was with the second husband, then she left him through Mion, So now it's as if they were never married, and she goes and goes and marries the second husband. But the Gemara says, "But my is Miko yalta." If you're saying it's a case of Mion, she couldn't give birth. Well, um, in short, it's going to be because someone under a girl under Bas mitzvah can't give birth, and it, and she can only do Mion up until she's an adult, up until Bas mitzvah. So if you're saying the case is Mion, then she would have been too young to have a child from the first husband. It would have had to be from the second husband. So that's what it says. For her baby taught before There are three women who are allowed to use this uh, cloth, this uh, moth, as a contraceptive. A minor, a pregnant woman, and a nursing woman. A minor girl is allowed to use this moth this form of contraceptive because you, in case she becomes pregnant and she will die. Mouberes, Shematasa ubrisandil, a muberes because if she conceives again, it can cause one of the fetuses to be a sandal and it's a problematic. Ménika Shematigmol as bona biomos. And a Ménika can't become, is allowed to use it because if she becomes pregnant, her milk might dry up and she'll have to wean her child and he might die. The young child that is relying on <coughs> so those three women, he says Ezana, what is a katana? Mibad Akhat says Ray Shona Byom from eleven years and one day, Ad Bashtaimas Rabyom Shona Byom Echod until twelve. So from eleven to twelve, Pochos mikan, or yes sir al Kane, if she's younger than eleven or older than twelve, she has beer in the normal way. Tivrei Rebi Me'ah, that's Rebi Meir's opinion. Achazu so no. All these three women, in all cases, they have normal beer. Are they not allowed to use the moch? And Hashem should have mercy. Shenem, Hashem, as it says, Hashem looks after watches over fools. We wouldn't be able to take one step if Hashem wasn't watch, watching us because there's so many things that can go wrong. And Baruch Hashem, not everything goes wrong. So things that are not definite or not clear dangers, you know, you don't have to be anxious about them, you don't have to necessarily take precautions, you trust Hashem. That's why we never say, along the lines of, we never say it's a problem to drive in a car, oh, there are many car accidents and it's dangerous and something can happen to you, or your family, or you can cause something to other people. You know, we don't we say Show me up as I am Hashem. It's a normal part of living. Yes, they do happen, but you don't have to worry, and Hashem looks after us. So, so to these women, the Chachomim say they should look after. But either way, we saw that the only time that a woman would be having um, a katana, I, an eleven-year-old, we're concerned that if she has a child, she'll die. That's why she's allowed to use a moch. If she be sorry, if she becomes pregnant, she'll die. So it can't be that she's doing miyun and having a child, because miyun also has to be done while she's under 12. So, so the Gemara says, okay, fine, not miyun mishka but kiddushin toras. We found it with a mistaken kiddushin. What's a mistaken kiddushin? I where they put a condition on the condition. It says, I'll do kiddushin to you. I will only be married on condition X is met. A few years down the line, X is not met. So it's as if, since the Kiddushin was on condition, it's as if they were never married. So while they were married, before the condition was not met, it was a proper marriage, and it wasn't promiscuous. But then when the Kiddushin fell through, it's as if she was never married to him. She doesn't need a Kiddushin, because it's like there was never a Kiddushin. Again, a man says, I'll do Kiddushin to you as long as, and we'll get married now, as long as by the end of the year you pay me a million rand. So, by the end of the year, so they live together as if they married, by the end of the year, she says, sorry, I wasn't able to get the money. And it's as if they were never married because the she wasn't met. She goes free without a get, as we'll see. And therefore, there was no promiscuity because when she was with her first, the first man, they were married. As soon as the conditions not met, it's as if they were never married. And now she goes and marries the second husband. So now that's how we have a case where there's noseness and we don't know who the father is. Again, she was married to her first husband. The condition wasn't met. And it well, lets you see that inside. Like Rabbi Yehuda taught us in the name of Shmuel. the It says, She was not taken forcibly. A woman who commits adultery and was not raped becomes but if she was raped, then she's permitted to her husband. And but it implies that specifically that we're quite limiting in this passage. She was not raped. Um, I there's another woman who was not raped, but is mutar. What's this? What's the scenario of a woman who for committed adultery. But is still mutar to her husband? Even if she's carrying her child on her shoulder. She can do meun and leave. I right? well, the because what happens? She's with her husband, her first husband. Okay, in the same case is okay if you've got a year to get me to get me a million rand. Otherwise the kiddushin that's the condition of the kiddushin. So she's with her first husband, she has a child with him, she Baruch Hashem, she falls pregnant very quickly and has a child and she commits adultery. Then the end of the year arrives and she doesn't meet the condition, so now it's as if they were never married. So as if she never committed adultery. And therefore, she's allowed to marry the second husband. Um, and, and therefore, yes, yeah, so, so that's a case where she would be mutar to her husband. Again, it's, it's not so clear because she's mutar because he's not a husband, not because he is. Okay. But either way, we see a case of Kiddusha Taz, and we can stand by our halacha that. Again, a kohen has to recognize his father to serve in the base of Middash. Oh, our Mishnah doesn't seem to line up with that possibility. No, our Mishnah is a case, this last case we discussed, of where it, yeah, when, it's, when there's promiscuity, that's when a kohen is not allowed to serve in the base of Middash. Okay, then the Mishnah says, you It goes on to the case of where a kohen's wife marries another, um, remarries within three months. It says, Tana Rabbonin marries another coin within three months. So, Tana Rabbonin. Ze- oh, it doesn't matter if they both count him this for, us, for this Salah, but it says, Tana Rabbonin. Hika top of Kuf, Aleph, Amur Aleph, 101a. Hika ze, because of hika ze, kilal ze, because of kilal ze. If he, shnei, um, if he hits the one father and then the other father. Again, okay, remember, we don't know who his father is. It's one of these two men. He hits the one and then he hits the other. Or he curses the one and then he curses the other. Or, or he curses them, hits them together. He takes a long pole and beats, gives them a, both a clap at the same time. Or, or he curses them both at the same time. of is liable. He will be put to death. Again, a son who curses his father. Again, even though we don't know who his father is, since the warning is, do you know if you curse either of those men... Or if you cur- if you curse those men, it will have turned out that you cursed your father, and you'll be put to death. And he says, "I'm furious. I don't care. I know I'll be put to death." And he says the curse anyway. So then he's put to death. Rabbi Yehuda, only if he does it together at the same time is he But if he does it one after the other, he would be exempt. Rabbi Yehuda holds for the principle of what's called a Hasra, Hasra, If you give a doubtful warning. It's not considered a warning. I, if he, when you have to tell him, do you know, if you hit that car and then you hit that car, you will because of those two actions be higher He can say which action. As soon as the warning's not clear that if you do this, you will be put to death, then you can't. That warning is not sufficient. So here, what's the warning? If you hit that car and then you hit that car, well then it turns out that you hit your father and you'll be put to death. That's a sophic because if he only hits the one, then he's not going to be put to death. Um... So that's why he would be potter in one after the other. Tadir says Potur. Oh wait, there's a price that says even if he hits them together, he takes a long stick and he hits them together, he curses them at the same time. He's exempt. So that's saying that You'll always be Potter. He says, No, Trey Tanai, I liberate the Rebbe Yehuda. Yeah, they're two different opinions of what Rebbe Yehuda. This is my time and demand of Omar Potter. But okay, so how do we understand this? If he hits them together, it's one act, one warning and one action, and it's clear. If you hit them, you'll be put to death. Well, so why would he be Potter? So, Omar Rebbe Khanin, Nehemah It says, Brocha here's a euphemism for cursing. It says, cursing. Below, and it says cursing above, I, it says cursing here, regarding a parent, and it discusses cursing above, I, cursing Hashem, blasphemy. Just as above, when you curse Hashem, it's clear who you're cursing, there's no doubt that you're cursing this Hashem or that Hashem, it's Hashem, you're cursing. (coughs) So to below, she ain't it must be where you clear and hitting and cursing are connected to each other. So just as we see by cursing, you're not liable unless it's definite. So too by um, hitting. Okay, then it says He goes and he serves in the Mishmar. I again, he's got two fathers. He will, he's not sure which is his father. They each serve a different week in the base Amigdash, so he has to serve both of them. Once you're telling me that he does not get a share, remember we said since he can't prove that he's part of that Mishmar, he doesn't get any of the, it's not the right word, but the spoils, the, the gifts that kind are given when they serve in the mean Amigdash, either the remains of the Korbanos, the hards, etc. He doesn't get it because he can't prove to them that they owe it to him. So says, Lama oile?" so why does he serve in the Beis Amigdash? says, Lama Oyleh, bim b'ino d'navid mitzvah. No, we're saying that he needs to do a mitzvah. Says says, Ela Ola loik Tani. Yeah, you know, maybe he wants to do a mitzvah, so we let him serve in the Beis There's It says, no, Ela Ola Tani, Ela Oyleh, b'okorko. No, the Pazak doesn't say, ala Ola, if he wants to serve in the Beis he can serve in either Mishmar. It says he has to serve. So again, so why should he have to serve in both Mishmaros of either of his possible fathers? So Omar Abacha Omar Abaya, Omar Rabbi Asi, Omar Rabbi Yoichanan, Mishum, Pegam Mishbacha. Because of the. the uh, the pagam it will give to the family. The, it will, it will what's pagam? Yeah, the disgrace it will cause to his family. Why? Because people will say, oh, look at that family. That, they, they, that son from that family is not allowed to serve in the base of so well, That son from that family is not allowed to serve. So they say, look, we, you have to serve in the base of the Dutch, otherwise you bring disrepute on our family, on our Mishmaris, so you have to. Um, that's why he has to serve for both Mishmaras. Then he said, if they both from the same mishmar, he can collect as well. Again, if both possible fathers were from the same mishmar, so he's definitely supposed to be serving in that mishmar, and therefore he can get the share in the gift. Why, if his two fathers are from possible fathers are from two different mishmaras? He can't collect. Because when he goes to the one Mishmar and he says, I want to share in the gifts that you received. They'll say, prove that you're from our Mishmar, Mishmar and we'll give you the gifts. And he goes to the other Mishmar and he says, they say, prove you from our Mishmar and they will give you the gifts. So now the Gemara is going to ask, well then we have the same thing because each Mishmar was broken into a base av and each base av served on a different day. And they got the... The gifts for that day. So he says, But so too the Mishmar. When he goes to the one base av, they say, well, no. your your fa- Prove to us that your father is the one who works on a Wednesday of that base av and will give you. And he can't because maybe he's the son of the father who works on the Sunday. So he has no proof. And therefore they can reject him from sharing. So, mishmar yeah, so if he, if both of them were from one mishmar, this is you have to say that the mishmar means as follows: if both of these possible fathers were from one mishmar and from the same base of, then he can get his share. But otherwise, you have the problem that it might not be his. Uh, they can always reject him, saying, "No, maybe you're from the mishmar of that father or the base up of that father." And then he goes and so says, Okay, so I'll go on Thursday. And on Thursday, I said, No, maybe your father, you can't prove to us. You should have collected with those guys on Wednesday. Okay, Noisin Al HaNusa, Noisin Al HaNusa, Noisin Al HaNusa. Okay, now we're going to start a new period called Mitzvah's Chalitza. This is about the process of Chalitza, the requirements and how it's done, what you need, etc., the laws of Chalitza. So just a few interesting points of Chalitza. Um, One one interesting point is the Sefer Achidov says that it's the mitzvah. Granted, you need both the man and the woman. Khalidz is a mitzvah on the man to perform. It's not a mitzvah on the woman. Which means... I mean, it's interesting because she's doing part of the action. But we do find mitzvahs where you need two parties, but only the one is fulfilling the mitzvah. For example, pruravu. You need a man and a woman for pruravu. But it's the man's mitzvah. It's not an obligation on the woman. Um, Secondly... Um, and that is on Sadaka. You need the rich man and the poor man, but it's the rich man's mitzvah. Um, uh, so, so that's the one point. interesting also, um, it does sound like it's a standalone mitzvah from Yibum. Mitzvah is Chalitzah, the mitzvah. And one way of looking at Chalitzah is the mitzvah is to do Yibum. If you're not going to do Yibum, okay, do the subcategory of Yibum or do the secondary aspect of of uh, Chalitza, but it sounds from here that it's a standalone Chosu Mitzvah. We mentioned this right at the beginning on the Mesechta. But let's say the woman's old, she says, I don't plan on getting remarried. I, I'm happy to remain a Yavoma and Owl, and I don't need to do, I'm not planning on getting married. Does she still do Chalitza? If you say it's a Mitzvah, then she must do Chalitza, because that's the Mitzvah. If you say Chalitza is just to, she doesn't want to do, they want, don't want to do Yibum. <coughs> and Halitza is just to permit her to her to to marry someone else if she doesn't want to get married then she doesn't have to so that's an interesting way which way do you look at it and then another question is there's no real bracha there's a discussion that Amor brings a sort of bracha that you say but there's no bracha we don't see Chazal instituted a bracha for yibum. why not so there's quite a few reason, possibilities given. One is, kind of like I mentioned earlier, a mitzvah that requires two people, you don't say a bracha, when you're performing the mitzvah, but you're reliant on someone else, you don't say a bracha because they might not come through. Or you can go to a poor person and say, Baruch HaTah Hashem, Akeinu Melech HaElam, who commanded me, um, lita in to give tzedakah. And you hold out the money for him, and he says, No, I don't want it. So, any mitzvah that you rely on the other person to take apart in, you don't say a bracha on. That's one answer given. Um, another possibility is some is that, in a way, it's a little bit of an avera because you were supposed to do the mitzvah of Yibum, and you're not doing Yibum, you're doing chalitza. So you're not going to say a bracha on the chalitza when, you sh- when it's only the secondary, not the ideal that you should be doing. Um, then I found a little bit of real okay. But then also um, another answer given is there is a kind of brocha on kiddushin. That's we know the brocha that the rabbi says under the chuppah. But the man doesn't say anything. So one answer again, why doesn't the man say when he's say um, say a brocha sheki who commanded me to do kiddushin to get married so again, this actually fits in with two answers. One is because he's reliant on the woman accepting the ring. So she, if he says the offers her the ring, it says actually no. So then that sort of scenario. Or also because that's not the main point of Kiddushin. The point of getting married is to have children. So it's kind of a build-up to the primary mitzvah. So, so to here, Chalitza is also the build-up to the primary mitzvah so that she can go get remarried. And have children. Okay, so there's a few possible answers. Um, just an interesting, Sefer um, on because the, the general process of Khalitz is she goes and takes off his shoe, and then she spits at him. Mm-hmm. So, so Sefer Achinoch says the taking off the shoe represents that there's a connection, and highlights that there's a connection, because if it was her husband, it's supposed to be her husband, they're supposed to do e mm-hmm. So then she's showing that she helps him. She'll take his shoes off, et cetera. So this shows the zika, shows the connection. Mm -hmm. And then, so she takes off her shoe after highlighting they had a connection and then spits at him to show that they're breaking the connection. Is she taking off the shoe? Yeah, she takes off the shoe. We'll learn about it, but she takes off the shoe, off his right foot, and then she spits at him. Spits in the shoe? I don't know. I don't know if she spits at him or spits in the shoe. Oh, we'll have to see. I haven't actually. I haven't done this very before. Um, and then, uh, and then another reason. There are a few reasons given for chalitza. Like we know, whenever we have a mitzvah, there are a few explanations. Another interesting one is the base also says it's similar to mourning. I am mourning takes off his shoes. So we mourning. What we mourning? The loss of the brother's family. Because remember, part of it la hakim shame is uh, we discussed this right at the beginning of the mesecta when one does yibum. According to the Ramban, the Ramban, there's an aspect of you kind of fathering the child on behalf of your brother, so it's kind of your brother's child as well, and you. So there's mourning the loss of his lineage, so that, that's the taking the symbolism of the taking off the shoe. Okay, but obviously there are lots of reasons, lots to think about. Let's go into the actual Perak. It's a pleasant process. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem to be a almost disgraceful. Act. In my mind, it does seem yeah. to be a, a disgraceful act. You should you should have done it, but yeah. you don't. And then the the psukim also, if um, if the man doesn't want, to, does not want to take his but also and they go up to the elders. I'll read these psukim because they're relevant to what we're doing. Um, ma'en he doesn't he says, I refuse to set up my brother's name. Etc. And then the judges, the elders will speak to him and say, and he'll say, I don't want to take her. I don't desire to take her. And then it says you'll bring her to him before the Zakanin, She will take the shoe off his foot, she will spit before him for answer of Based off of, this is what you do to a man who does not, is not prepared to build up his brother's house. You can hear from the Pesukim where well, he doesn't want, he should want but it's where he doesn't want and he, he refuses Then you, and you make this declaration, this is a guy who doesn't want to build up his brother's house so it does, you know, it does sound like quite a degrading and not a second not the ideal mitzvah Okay, let's see, let's start with the law. So first one, the mitzvah chalitze v'shloyshe dayonim v'shloyshe Yotos. The mitzvah chalitza is to do it three, you need to do it before three judges, but even if they're regular people. So is going to ask, why, why call them three judges if it can be done before three regular people? When generally, when we exclude from dayonim, we're saying they don't need to have smicha. Remember, not, not what we call a rabbi nowadays, but they, there was a chain of smicha going from Moshe to Yeshua, passed down from generation to generation. It stopped around the Ur, the Amorayim, in Eretz Yisrael. That was the last people to have the smicha. Um, but, so when we say, we say be done before three people who don't have smicha. It's a discussion, how hedjot can they be? Do they have to still be Talmidei Gachamim, I who know about Galitza? or But we will see this in the Gemara. Or can yeah, they just be three? Is it more important to perpetuate the brothers' uh, uh, by not having yeah. children, then caring for your own happiness. Please. Oh, so you're saying if you don't like her or someone... Yeah, you, you, oh, you we'll, see, we'll, see we'll see on this stuff, we'll see the Gamora is going to answer your question. Because she question. might have a miserable uh, mm. marriage if they... Uh, yeah, it could be he already has three wives and now she's going to be the fourth wife, but like, you know, and, and they, might yeah. not, they don't like each other, they're not compatible. Yeah, 100%, we'll see that over the page. Good question and we'll see the Gamora on and then what happens? Cholzor b'minal minal, chalitza ksheira. If he does the chalitza, he takes off a minal, then it is a kosher chalitza. They have different types of shoes. I mean, just like us. You have a sneaker, a tacky, you have a slip-on, lace-up. So they have the two types of shoes that we primarily discuss is a minal and a sandal. Not clear exactly what they are, but a minal is... Rashi says softer leather. I'll tell you the ramification of that shortly. And a sandal is a hard leather. So a sandal, which sounds like a sandal, is actually more similar to our shoes. It's a harder leather. It's like a knot. Something like that, yeah. Um, So so, so it's hard to tell exactly. I don't know if you saw I posted on the group some videos about Khalidzah. The chalitzu yeah, shoe. You see, if you get a chance watching, they're not. They they each I about. It, so uh, yeah. So if you get a chance, it's each about five minutes or so. So it's not yeah. too long, and they show about the shoe and what the difference. are uh, this this part of the shoe is more like a minal and this part of the shoe is more like a sandal. That's why it's quite a weird shoe, and it has to. Well, yeah, so all of that. So so a minal, a minal is not ideal to use. The soft leather shoe is not ideal, but it's still a kosher chalitzah. You should use a. You should use a sandal. One of the reasons given is because um, a concern with the minnow is that the top will be broken, but because it's a softer leather, you can, the straps will tie it in place and it will be like it's, it will stay on his foot, but it's not kosher of if it's a broken shoe, as we'll see. So, therefore, you shouldn't use that. Whereas a harder leather, if, the, if it breaks, the straps aren't going to hold it properly in place, and therefore you aren't able to wear it if it's broken. So that's one of the reasons given why a sandal is better. It can't be worn if it's broken. Then it says, If she removes a sock, that's Apostle Khaledz. It has to be a shoe, not a sock. If it's a sandal that has a heel, literally a heel, we translate a as, Heel, I'll explain, but it actually seems to be a sole, the sole of the shoe. So if it has the sole of the shoe, kosher is valid. Okay, it's If it doesn't have the sole of the shoe, it's possible. It seems to be referring to any part of the shoe that's essential to kind of hold the shoe on his foot. It has to be a proper shoe that's on his foot properly. So if let's say the bottom of the shoe is missing or the back of the shoe is missing, so his foot can just slide in and out, that's not good enough. What happens if he's an amputee? So the shoe, it's not on his foot, but it's on his stump. So he says, mm-hmm. If it's strapped onto his leg, which is the equivalent of below his knee, then it's kosher. But if it's on higher than his knee, then it would be a So if he's amputated above his knee, then, he can't, then you can't do khalitzah. And if it's amputated below his knee and the shoe strapped on there, then that's fine. can't do chalitza. Okay, new point of a sandal shaim shello or sandal If he does chalitza with a sandal that does not belong to him, I borrowed his friend's shoe. Or a wooden sandal, or shell Small b'yomim, or he's wearing the left foot the left shoe on his right foot. But yeah, it's all a good chalitza. Again, it seems one of the primary concerns is that the shoe's on him properly and not going to just fall off, and almost a snug fit. So as soon as he's borrowing a shoe or wearing a wooden shoe or wearing it on the wrong foot, there's a good chance that it might not be fitted properly and then it's not a good chalitza. If he's wearing a shoe that's too big for him but he's able to walk in it. Or he has, it's a small shoe, but it does cover most of his uh, foot, and his toes are dangling out the end, but the rest is all uh, covered and snag. It would also be a kosher chalitza. Okay, now the Gemara says, Once you told me that it's kosher with three ajotas, why does it say judges? Why does it, again, is kosher if you get three as I said, regular men, it's a discussion whether they still have to be Talmidei Chachomim. And the reason to say that is because there are lots of halachas or chalitah. As we see, it's not the most straightforward procedure. We'll see. That. I mean, that's why there's Gemara on it. So maybe you need Talmidei Chachomim, but they don't have to have smicha. Or we'll even see the basic requirement is just that they're able to dictate to the two parties, the, Yavama and the Yavam and the Yavama, what they must say in Hebrew. Because they have to say it in Hebrew, the quotes from the Possum. So that's all they have to dictate. So why are you calling them Dayanim? So that's actually the answer. It says, It's three people who can tell them, dictate to them, what they have to read, what they have to say, like Dayanim. And that's where the question comes in. Oh, so so they they can be three regular people, but it can't be people that are so, so ignorant that they can't read Hebrew and tell the different parties what to say. As I said, how do they have to be people who are... Who know all the halachas of Yibam. That's a discussion. But they don't have to be smuchim. People who have the special smochim. This is Mishnah teaching us the same as the following b'raise. The mitzvah of to, must be performed before or with three men who know how to read as if they were dayorim. Rabbi Huda says you need five. And now we're going to go, we're going to analyze our psukim. Because where does Rabbi get five and the other one get three and all the differences that result because of that? Interesting enough, we'll see. Yeah, through, let's just go. So, my time at the Tanakama. Where does the Tanakama get that you need? Three judges, the Tani, as we learned in Rice. It says, Zekeinim. The Apostle says, Zekeinim, the elders, Shnayim. Elders implies two, but based in shokul. You're not allowed to have a based of an even number. So, so you must need you add on an extra one, and therefore they're three. It's interesting because if it's just to enable them to read, what's wrong with having an even number? We know if it's a court case, you need to make sure to have an odd number in case they're voting and debating. But if it's not, so some say, so there are different answers given. um, so Toss interestingly answered because there's so many arguments and there's so many halachas that you have to know that they might end up debating is this a good Khalitza, and therefore it's, it turns into a court case. And if you need, there's also, there's a monetary aspect to khalizah because remember who's going to get the inheritance and who's going to pay up the ksuba, etc. So there's a monetary aspect. So from that aspect you need a in, there's no well, okay. And some say whenever you need a based in, I, which we know because it says you need zikenin, it must be in three. Oh, interesting! I should have also mentioned whenever the possum says "got up to the gate," it's often, just about always, it's referring to the based in on the Sanhedrin because that they used to sit by the gates of the town. So, when here yeah, the possum says, "But also Yevim Hasharo el they got up to the gates to the elders. Ah, so they got up to the Sanhedrin and it says, "Zakenim, you need two, which you can't have equals; so it must be three. Rebbe Yehuda, Rebbe Yehuda, where does he get that you need five? Because it all not only does it say Zakanim, it says "Ziknei," which implies two. And then Zikainim, second Pasuk Shnayim, another two. So that's four, but based in shokul, so Hey, So you end up with five. Oh, the tanakama So now Rabbi Yehuda used the word zikne to tell us you need another two diodic. Right, so you're gonna need five. So what do the rub the tanakama do with zakenim? The so They say it can it, it can even be three regular people. It doesn't have to be. Dyonim, Rabbi Yehuda he joins us Oh, where does Rabbi Yehuda know that it can be regular people? Okay, because he used this word for another drasha. He says mila He learns it out from their eyes. Why do la We learn in the right? bray. He says pratla swimming. It has to be before their eyes. It says when she spits, it has to be before the eyes, which tells us they can't be blind. Ah. You're telling me that we need a special drosher to that they can't be blind? Oh, but the fact that it tells us, you to, while the fact we need a specific drosher to exclude blind people, must be like regular people. Because if you thought you needed a Sanhedrin, would Why would you exclude Sumim? You, know, you wouldn't need to, because as Rav Yosef learned out, the Tani Yosef, just as we need a basin who are clean in their righteousness. Oh, you have to have honest, good day on him. You also need a baseline who doesn't have any blemishes. All this is the posuk in, in, uh, in Shira in Hashim, referring to the Sanhedrin, telling us that they can't have any blemishes. So, if we were referring to Dayonim, we would already know that they can't be blind because they're not allowed to have any more. Comes along this post and says, no, for said they can't be blind, implying they can be regular people. So, that's how we know um, from that reverse. Just, um, yeah. You know, so, it's Obe-ir-i-ch. What do the come into with it Says When it says that she has to spit before the dayanim, it means, before the eyes of the Dayanim, it means they have to be able to see the spit leave her mouth. Before the eyes of the Kainim and she spits. But wait, Rebi Yehuda also needs the Drosha of Robber that the Dayadim have to see. So you can't tell me that he uses see to exclude a blind person which tells us Hejojas. He needs the positive also to teach us. He says, Oh, enafinami. actually, you're right. The oh, so where does Rabbi Yehuda know that they can be regular people and they don't have to be part of the Sanhedrin? So, be because it says it's done before Yisrael. And who's the Yisrael? Called the who? Any Jews. Either, it refers to what they're doing. This whole thing at referring, you know, they're doing it before the judges, before the judges in the presence of Israel. Oh, so the judges also, Israel can be regular people. And just before we go on, it's just an interesting discussion. We're not going to have to go into it now, but can he be blind in one eye? The person, because again, so it's, it seems that again for the requirement of the Sanhedrin, they can't have a blemish. So he can't be blind in one eye. For halutsa, they have to be able to see the speck leaving the mouth. So they would have to at least be able to see in one hour from that aspect. Even though there might not be a special drosha excluding blind people, they have to see the split leave as well, so they have to be able to see. Interestingly, there are more things to say they they should ideally be able to see properly, but it's not so clear where he gets that from. Um, Now, the idich, what does the Tanakhama do with this idich? Again, the Tanakhama knows from another word, that it can be regular people. So he doesn't need this extra word, be Israel, to tell us that it can be regular people. So what does he do with it? It says, Be Israel, based in based in that it can be a based in of Israel and not a based in of converts. Um, I think the Gemara will come back to that point. If it doesn't, I'll come back to it. Yeah. It has to be a based in of Jews and not a based in of converts. Of Irich B Israel, where does Rabbi Yehuda, the Irich the, where does he know that it has to be of Yisrael and our converts? But Yisrael, Akhrimaksif, there's a second possible which mentions Bi Yisrael. So then what is the Tanah come do with the second word Yisrael? We were sitting before Rebitarfun. So Vahmaronu Onukuhem Khalut Sanal. You should all answer remove the shoe. I, interesting enough, the one concept that Vinik Rishmo be Yisrael, and you'll call this man, is this man who's doing Chalutza, Beis Cholet the house of the Cholet Sanal. So Rabbi Taifun learns this Vinik Rishmo Yisrael, by Yisrael, and all the other people who are there have to declare he's Cholet Sanal. I give him his new title of Cholet So that's what the actual Yisrael. But then where does Rabbi Huda know that Halacha from? That you, the people standing at the Chalitza must declare, Cholotanao, Cholotanao. Me, Vinikro, because the Apostle says, and call him. Vinikro, Nifka. Ah, oh, so Elamata, Vakoru, Shnayim. Oh, now the Gemara, so that's that's how they learn the Apostle. If you notice, basically all the Halachas are, are the same, except they, they're learning them from different words in the Psukim. And the only difference is, according to Reb Yehuda, since it said plural twice, you need five dayonim, and the Tanaka no, you only need three. But otherwise, for the other halachas, they're the same. Now, the one says, oh, you're telling me every time it uses the word plural, it's telling us another two judges. This is Well, Elameyat of a it says, and they will declare, and they will say, another two hachanami. The Reb Yehuda Harekanshi. Shilra Abon and Well, then, according to of Yehuda, we've included another four judges over to the... Uh, the, to the original five we mentioned, and according to Rabbanan also, so you need nine and seven. It says, no, that's coming for a different Roshah. The Koru Lov, the sun. The these three people have to summon the, them themselves. And they can't send, these three people who are going to, Officiate, the chalitza, they're not allowed to send someone to call them, that to go themselves. What does it mean when they speak to him? It means, this is what you were asking earlier. They give, him they give him advice that is appropriate to him. What happens if one of them was very young and one of them was very old? You can have a case, uh, <laughs> me and my brother are 20 years in age difference. Um, but you can have families with even greater age So You have this brother who's a youngster. He's 15 years old, and his older brother's wife is falling in a newborn, and she's 45. So that's not an appropriate case. He, older so they tell him that's not appropriate for and all the other way around. She's she's a young very young and he's very he's elderly. So Yada so, They tell him, Why are you going to this for this young girl? Well what's well, it's not appropriate for you to marry such an old, much older woman. go marry someone more similar to you, Al and do not bring fighting into your home. So this is exactly what you're saying. It says the an unsuitable marriage is worse than as bad as Khalidzah could be. And therefore, the they, But the Posse specifically says, Eilov, speak to him. I advise him appropriately. Say, so yes, we know is a mitzvah, but it's not appropriate for you to marry her. She's much older than you, or she's much younger than you, or you don't like each other. You're just going to cause your family. They, they bring even, they, they want to learn from here that for the, we see that you can push aside a positive commandment of Yibum, but a positive commandment for the sake of Shalom. Your family—it's going to cause fighting in your family. Your your <laughs> children are not going to not going to get a, get along with the, their stepmother. So don't do it. So that's uh, that answers. Is I think that answers. To it? Uh, is it the same like uh, a gift if a guy refuses to give a gift Can you say, "Well, uh, I'm I'm not sure uh, exactly if she wants to, to get. It. She can go out <laughs> Let her. Yeah, you know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much they can force them to or not. Maybe we'll see. I don't know. Um, yeah. but I, I it's an important point. As you see, they give him advice. They they say rather don't do the positive commandment of yibum no. to save from so you're right? If it's an unsuitable match. Yeah. The example they give is it could be like the, a huge age discrepancy, but the principle is it's got to be a appropriate chiduch. If she can't go free if she doesn't, if she doesn't have Chalitza Yeah, so then they'll do chalitzah. They it's not appropriate for them to get married, then they do chalitzahs. If he refuses, she's with a problem. Yeah, so that's why, that's why I'm wondering. Maybe they can force him, Yeah um, etc. The halocha is that, a Chalitza is with three because we have an anonymous mission in line with that. So Omar Rov, Omar Rabnachman, i hachi miunami. Well then Nami you should also require three. we learn in Sanhedrin, when a woman's doing muun or chalitza, you need or they're doing chalitza, you need three judges. Of maybe that's so. I say you need a based in of Mumchhin, of expert judges for muun. And basil say, No, it can be regular doesn't have to be an actual Sanhedrin. But both, by agree you need three people. Rabbi bar no, you only need two people to witness immune. the muon. The is like the second pair. Aye. So we're saying, the halloch in our Mishnah discussing Halitza says you need that's a machloikist you need five or three Rava comes along well since we have our anonymous Mishnah that says three we're gonna say three what else what but it's very similar to Mion and Mion are very similar it's breaking this, the bond that these two people have so he says and by we have basically an anonymous Mishnah which also teaches three but we follow the Brisa where there's two other sages who say that you only need two so you can't say that. You follow the anonymous Mishnah. It says, no, there we have one anonymous Mishnah, the Mishnah in Sanhedrin, whereas here by we have two. We have our Mishnah and the Mishnah in Chalitza's in, in uh, Sanhedrin saying three. It says, no, we have another anonymous Mishnah that alludes to Mion, well, here it's Mion and Chalitza, but the focus is Mion, that says, if it was done before one of the judges he is allowed to marry her oh wait but people are going to think he only did meun so that he could marry her he says no it's not a problem because there are two other judges so it won't cause suspicion on the one judge who decides to marry her but we see that there have to be the three judges he says, no, there it's two anonymous missionaries Telling us, Muen only requires three, and here it's three anonymous missions telling us you need three for Chalitza. So that's much stronger, and therefore that's why we follow that on The one says, No, Michi Mali 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 He says, What's the difference? If you tell me the Halacha follows the anonymous mission, what difference does it make whether there's one anonymous mission, two anonymous missions, three anonymous missions? That's not how we determine the Halacha. He says, Elo, bar Yitzchak. Rav Yitzhak says, I'll show you how we know that. The, it's not because of the, that they are more anonymous Mishnas, but I'm going to show you how we see from here that the halacha is like the, is like the anonymous Mishnah, that there's, that you only require three judges for chalitza." He says, hold, oh, because even where there's, an anon- where there's a machloikes, where he argues, he leaves it, Rabbi Yehuda doesn't argue. It's so, as we learn in the Mishnah. Smicha zakeinim, so Rabbi you know, regarding giving smicha, I, giving someone the special uh, smicha handed down from Moshe Talmud to Tam Tamid, that special smicha, and doing the eglarufa, that's, you know, when a murder is found between two cities, etc., is done with three judges. Rebbe Yehuda, again, this is Rebbe Yehuda arguing, but Hamisha, you need five. Then the Mishnah continues, this is right at the beginning of Sanhedrin. Chalitza and Mion require three. Now, what would you expect the next line of the Mishnah to be? Rabbi Yehuda argues and says five, but it doesn't say that. It says, Yehuda doesn't argue. Because again, we saw he argued on the first line when it's mentioning Eglarufa and Smicha um, and Eglarufa. It says three, and Rabbi Yehuda argues and says five. And when it comes to Khalid it says three, and Rabbi Yehuda doesn't argue. Shmamina, Hadabai Rabbi Yehuda, Shmamina, we see that Rabbi Yehuda argues. Right, so when Rabbi said, we see three because of the Stam Mishnah, he was referring to the first Mishnah of Sanhedrin, which teaches there, because Rabbi Yehuda doesn't argue when the Tanakamah teaches. Rabbi Yehuda doesn't argue, even though we know he does argue. Shmamina. Um, and I think let's leave it there for today. Yes. Yeah.